The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. special treat for you this morning, so I want you to kind of sit up straight and tall. I feel like a children's pastor right now. Sit up straight and tall. No bothering your neighbor. Keep your hands to yourself. If you got gum, you need to spit it out. Not really, but got a special treat for you this morning. Uh, my dad, Kim Blunt, is here. One of the elders of our church, one of the leaders of our church, one of the patriarchs of our church. And uh, I was talking to, to Sarah this week. In fact, we had our 16th wedding anniversary this week. Yes, thank you. If you see Sarah, tell her, applaud her, because really she's the one that's had to put up with me for 16 years. But um, we were at dinner, and we were kind of talking, and, and Sarah always comes up with these little ideas and these games and stuff. And she, so, so she, she started with this game of, like, what would you change about our wedding? Like, in this, if you've been married for a while, this is kind of interesting. Like, who would be your groomsman? Who would be your best man? Who would be your bridesmaid? And if you've been married for 16 years, like, a lot changes in 16 years. So we went through that whole process, and then we were talking about, like, what, what else would you change? And I think one of the things that we, we didn't realize as young marrieds was how uh, amazing the, the marriage ceremony and what God is actually doing and joining two people together in marriage really is. We didn't really grasp that when we first got married. The other thing we didn't realize was the gift that we had in my parents. In fact, we were saying if we could go back and get married again, one of the things we would do is we would have them be our marriage counselors and we would go through the process that they take people through. In fact, if you're if you're here at the church and you're planning on getting married sometime soon, my parents do all the marriage counseling for us at the church and it's really amazing. Uh, how is it? Four to six weeks that they take you through just the importance and the value of what this is. And, and you know, it's when you're young, like you're, there's some young people in here this morning. Let me just tell you something. You don't got it all figured out, right? And it's funny, you get married and, and when you get married, you kind of, you know, you have all these visions of like, I'm going to do stuff different than my parents. And then you get married and you get down the road a little bit and you're like, man, my parents were awesome. At least that's how I felt. And so today uh, we have a gift and, and, and you're going to see it. In fact, the last night services were just amazing and my father is so full of the word and what he's talking to you about today I have seen him live out in his life uh, I always saw my dad's bible open in the home I saw my dad reading and speaking the word in our home and and it, it did something for me to establish something in me that's so important and and so today I want as a church I want us to honor my father this morning as he comes up and shares so if you would would you stand and give a, a, a new song welcome to Pastor Ken Blunt Wow, that's so, so nice. I love my son. Uh, and it's a great church. They're doing such a good job. Such a good job. Great pastors. And it's an honor to be with you this morning and talk to you. Um, and uh, so, let's jump right into this, okay? We're in a series, as you saw, called Character Sketches. And we're talking about different characters from the Bible. And... Uh, Things that typify how they were successful, things they did good, things, that, things they did wrong. Last weekend, we had uh, Pastor Sarah preached, and she talked about Herodias. And I listened to her message. I have never heard of Herodias preached on. Anybody else? Never. But it was great. It was awesome. So that was a real obscure character. This morning, we're going to talk about, we're going to go opposite. 
We're going to talk about a real uh, obvious character in the Bible. In fact, you probably heard of this guy probably more than just about anybody in the Bible. We're going to talk about David this morning and uh, give you a little backstory on David. David is one of the most known characters in the Bible. Uh, With the top three, you got Moses, who's mentioned the third most in the Bible. And then Jesus is number one. That's the way it ought to be, right? Jesus is number one. More, more written about Jesus than any other character. But David is number two. And David is a really important link in the Bible. He is a, more than any of the prophets, more than any of the fathers of the faith we read about in the Old Testament, David is, is more a shadow or a foreshadowing of Christ than any other. When you think about it, uh, the, you've got Adam and then you've got Jesus, right? David is the link between those two. He is the link. Jesus is called called many times in the New Testament the son of David, right? So David is very important for us to understand. Uh, And David was about 10 to 13 years old when the prophet Samuel came to his father Jesse's house and anointed him to be king. So that's young, right? Let me just throw this in. I am, uh, one of my jobs here at New Song is to oversee our kids' ministries. Kids are important. Kids can know God at a young age. So many people misunderstand that. Yeah, they're still going to be kids. They're still going to do immature things, but they can really know Jesus when they're little. And a big part of our vision, you, you hear our pastor says this all the time, we lead with kids because kids are a big deal. I had to throw that in. That was free. Okay. But anyway, we believe in kids. And so this morning, uh, we're going to talk about David. David was a flawed character, and yet David is called a man after God's own heart. I I see it this way. David was always chasing God. When he did good, he chased God. When he messed up, he chased God harder. You never quit chasing God, right? Because he's always your answer, no matter matter what you've done. So this morning, I'm going to zero in on two fundamental foundational truths about David. And these are things, I I would say probably these two truths uh, have impacted my life, principles of the word, more than any other. So today's a big deal. You ready? So we're going to talk about two particular things this morning. If you guys put it up on the screen, first point we're going to talk about this morning is David knew who he was. He knew who he was. Listen, if you're going to be successful in Christ, in this world, you're going to live for God. You got to know who you are. What does that mean? Let's talk about it. Uh, And we're going to look at the famous story in the Bible, 1 Samuel 17, if you want to turn there. And we're going we're gonna to kind of highlight a few scriptures here. The famous story of David and Goliath. Everybody heard of David and Goliath, right? So here's David and Goliath. Here's uh, the, the, the Hebrews, the Jews have been attacked by the Philistines. That was their arch enemy. And here they come again. So there's a battle that's being uh, arrayed in this place called the Valley of Eli. And what you got is you got this big valley. And on one hill are the Israeli soldiers. On the other hill are the Philistine soldiers. And the Philistines had a champion. He's called a champion. His name was Goliath. And Goliath was a bad, bad dude. Listen, Goliath, historically, they tell us, was probably from around 9 to 9.9 feet feet tall. Can you imagine that? 9.9. I mean, you know, like big guys in church. I'm looking at Josh Romano. He's, what, 7 feet 2, something like that? He's not that big, but he's big. I mean, you know, I'm little and... I look up to Josh, and it's intimidating, right? But can you imagine 9'9"? Nine, nine? That's like Josh with his son on top of him, of him, and he's still not big enough. And he's huge. He's muscles. He, you know, he, uh, the armor he wore weighed 125 pounds. 
His, uh, his lance, his javelin that he used in war, the head of that thing weighed 15 pounds. Just to pick it up and throw it would be a, an ordeal, right? So he is a really bad dude. And not only that, he's a trash talker. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 10. Here's Samuel. He would come down in that valley and he would say this. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. And this he did day after day for 40 days. And nobody in Israel wants to challenge him. Not even the king. Everybody's shaking in their boots. Nobody's going to go fight him. Enter David. David is, is about probably 16, 17 years old. He's a student. T Jackson, he's a teenager, okay? This is what Jackson does. And uh, he comes into the valley and he, he watches what's going on. And uh, his father, Jesse, had sent David, uh, who was a little shepherd boy, out to bring some food to his three bro brothers who were in the conflict. And so he's bringing them, the scripture says, 10 loaves of bread and 10 big chunks of cheese, which I guess that's what they ate in Bible times. Uh, seems like that'd be too many carbs. I don't know, but any, they need some vegetables with that, right? But this is what David's bringing. And David walks in and he listens to Goliath. And, but David responds. This is a shepherd boy that's been on the back 40 with his sheep. But here's what David said. Look in verse 26, 1 Samuel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what should be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, David, he's got a different thought here. His first thought is somebody needs to take him down. And whoever takes him down, what will be done for him? I mean, he knew if somebody does something, it's gonna, something's gonna, something good is going to happen. You're going to get a reward for doing something good. How I many know the Bible says God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, right? God wants to bless you. And so somebody says, okay, David, here's what you get. You get the king's riches. You get to marry the king's daughter. And you don't have to pay any taxes, you or your family, for the rest of your life. And David goes, okay. He's a teenager, right? I get a good-looking girl. Uh, I get the king's riches. I'm going to need money. And then I don't have to pay the IRS the rest of my life. I'm in. And so David volunteers to go into that valley and fight Goliath. That's a big deal. People are, 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 in fact, the king says, he tried to talk him out of it. You're just a kid. You can't do this. And David said, no, no, no. You don't understand. I fought before. There was a day that a lion came against my sheep. And I trusted in God and I killed a lion. How many know you're going to kill a lion? You better trust in God. Right? He said, then a bear came. And I killed that bear. You're going to have to trust in God if you kill a bear. And who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He said, I can take care of this guy. David believes. See, the facts were that David was a teenage country boy. The facts said, boy, you belong just hanging out with sheep. But the covenant, everybody say covenant. covenant. See, David understood covenant. Covenant has nothing to do really with you. The covenant we have as the church, as a Christian, has nothing to do with what you did. It has everything to do with what God did for you and you believing what God did for you because that's where the power is. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's really good preaching, Pastor Ken. I like that. <laughs> David understood the covenant. You got to understand the covenant, man. As a shepherd boy, he must have been spending time with God. He must have been meditating on the Bible, right? He knew something. 
Not everybody believed. Not only did he know it, he believed it. And so with no sword, no shield, David goes out into that valley to fight Josh Romano. And he's only got a sling and five stones. And look at verse 41, 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, 41. Here's what it says. I love this. This is so awesome. You ready for some good preaching? It says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him. Sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Goliath was offended at this teenager who has no armor. He's coming out there with just a slingshot, right? And here's what Goliath said. Remember, he's a trash talker. Am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his God. He was a cusser too. He wasn't a believer. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the animals. Goliath yelled. So the challenge has been issued, right? And David replied. I'm going to stop right there. Challenges are issued against us all the time. Wouldn't it be cool if we became Christians and we never had any more challenges in life? I'd be in on that, wouldn't you? I mean, to think, if I get saved, then I'll have no more problems. But life doesn't work that way. You notice that? Just because you got saved doesn't mean things won't come against you. Because the devil is still alive and well on planet earth. And he will see to it, especially if you get saved and begin to serve God in the covenant. Because you become a threat to his kingdom. So he hates you. And he'll bring everything he can against you. And here's what you have to do when challenges come. Sickness. Lack of money. Whatever. You have to reply. You have to reply. Everybody say reply. Which means you have to respond. And your response means you have to say something. You have to say something. So what did David say? Oh, I love this. Here we go. Next verse, verse 45. David says, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. David knew who to put his trust in, right? Today, he keeps on going. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you. And I will cut off your head. And then I'm going to give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and uh, the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. This is a little teenager. No spear, no, no armor. Says, you're going down. Today, in fact, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut off your head. And then when I do that, everybody's going to know in the whole world. I'm going to put it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And everybody's going to know that there's a God in Israel. And we're going to take your boys down. David was preaching, man, and getting excited. And then look what happened next. And Goliath moved closer to attack David quickly ran to meet him. Listen, you got to run at your giants. You can't let the devil intimidate you. You can't let him back you down. You got to take the promises of God in your mouth and attack the giants of your life and they have to go down. They got to go down because it's not you, it's God in you. Let me put it another way. You got to eat your spinach. Eat your spinach. Everybody's looking at me funny. What are you talking about, Pastor Ken? I'm talking about Popeye. Everybody heard of Popeye, right? Listen, Popeye is a type of what I'm talking about today. Uh, And I'm not talking about the chicken place, okay? I'm talking about the original Popeye. Popeye was a cartoon like in the 30s. I watched Popeye's cartoons in the 50s and 60s when I was growing up. They were kind of old, but but Popeye was a big part of my life. And, And so let me give you a little history of Popeye. Guys, play that video and show you Popeye here. Here we go. Bye-bye. 
Popeye. Everybody give Popeye a hand, would you? So here's the, here's the, here's the backstory on Popeye. Popeye's a sailor. And Popeye's a human being, but he's got a few issues. Notice some of the things you saw in the video. Notice he had real skinny biceps, but he had these big old forearms. He must have worked out wrong. He had a wrong trainer that, that messed him up on his body type. And then he also, he called Popeye because he had only one eye. And somehow his eye popped out. So this is Popeye. So, you know, he's got a name now. It's not the most, uh, you know, attractive name. He's got a girlfriend, but did you see her? She's kind of skinny. Her name's Olive Oil. But he loved her. But he, and he had an enemy. His Goliath in life was this guy named Brutus. Did you see Brutus, the big guy with the beard? Brutus was always trying to steal Popeye's girlfriend. I don't know why, but he was. She must have had a lot of character or something. I don't know. But Brutus is always trying to get her. He opposes Popeye, and they're always having these fights. And Brutus could just take Popeye. I mean, he was big. He could beat him up and take him down, and they get in these fights. But here's what made Popeye strong. Here's what empowered him to defeat his enemy, his Goliath, Brutus. He had to eat spinach, and spinach is in a can. And so the, Brutus is always trying to keep him from his spinach. You know, the, de the devil wants to keep you from the Word of God. He wants to keep you out of church. He wants to keep you from, from hearing the Word of God, putting it on the inside of you. That, that's Brutus. That's the devil. So you have these fights, and here's a can of spinach, and Popeye's reaching for it, and then his hand comes back. And finally he gets it and pops the top, and he ate his spinach, and his power came in him to defeat Brutus. I mean, he would, he would twirl in a circle and just beat the snot out of him. How could he do that? He's empowered by spinach. Spinach makes a difference. Listen to me. The Word of God is your spinach, but you got to eat it. Uh, put it on the screen. Your spinach, God's word, is the answer, but you got to put it in your mouth. God's word is anointed with power, and your giants have to fall. And listen, you got to learn to talk to your giant. You know, I, I'm going to get pastoral here for a minute. Is this okay? I see some of you on Facebook. I recognize you. And I see some of you always talking about your problems on Facebook. Well, this is happening, and this is bad, and this is, You know what you need to put on Facebook? I'm having some problems. I'm sick today, but you know what? I'm believing this. I, I put some spinach in my mouth. The Word of God is your answer. But you got to get it in you so it can come out of you, which means you better prepare yourself before the battle. It's okay to admit you've got some problems, but you just can't. You're not going to be empowered if you're always talking about your issues and problems. We've all got issues and problems. We've all got hurt somewhere. Somewhere along the line, somebody did us all wrong, right? This is life. But you have the answer to the problems of life. It's the Word of God. But you got to eat your spinach. Put it on the inside of you and then say it with your mouth. I'll tell you what. Let's eat some spinach this morning. You ready? Would you eat spinach with me? Guys, put some spinach up on the screen. I'm going to lead you in a confession. Uh, here we go. Follow me. I'll say it and then you say it. Ready to go? Jesus took my sin on the cross. And made me righteous. I have a divine right to God's promises. Because I believe in Jesus. Jesus took my sickness. So I am healed. I refuse to worry. Because Jesus is my peace. No evil shall befall me. Because God's angels watch over me. I have authority over Oklahoma tornadoes. And I will not fear. I am financially blessed. Because I give. And it is given to me. I am the head and not the tail. 
Let's all say it together. I am above only and not beneath. I am blessed coming in. I am blessed going out. And everything I set my hands to will prosper in Jesus' name. Bada book, bada boom. That's the way it is. Listen, face the Goliath in your life with the word of God. David, a teenager, whipped his Goliath because David knew who he was. That's point number one this morning. David knew who he was. Point number two, you ready for this one? David knew who he was. It's the same point, right? No, 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 a little bit different. Notice the capitalization on the H. David not only knew who he was, David, but he knew who God was. What's that all about? David believed and sought the presence of God during his kingship. Now, you got to understand, when David was reigning, uh, times were different. It was the old covenant. This is before Jesus. So the presence of God lived in a box called the Ark of the Covenant. How many of you have ever heard the story of the Ark of the Covenant? If you've seen the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know about the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the movie? You got the, you got the Lost Ark, and you got the Nazis and Indiana Jones and Marion are looking for this Ark, and they're trying to get it. And so it goes back and forth. Whole movie's about chasing that Ark, and they're going different places, right? Finally, the Nazis get the Ark, and Indiana and Marion are tied up by a tree, Remember? And they're about to open the top of this ark. And they don't know what's going to be in here. There's legend about this. So this Nazi dressed in a high priest outfit, which he shouldn't have been wearing, comes up and he takes the top off the ark. Remember? And then at first it looks beautiful. And everybody goes, oh, this is wonderful. But then this thing comes out. Special effects. And then it begins to melt Nazis' faces. Wasn't that awesome when all their faces melted? Special effects. But Indiana Jones and Mary and their faces didn't melt. Why? Indiana told her, Mary, close your eyes. Don't look. Don't look. I don't know how they knew that. I don't, that's not in the Bible. But anyway, it must have worked. But, but my point in telling that is there was a power in that ark. In the days of the Bible, it's true. There was really a power in the ark. God couldn't live in people like he can now through Christ. Your body couldn't contain the presence of God. You weren't, you weren't the receptacle. You're, you know, an unborn, unborn again person, if God put his power in them, they would explode. It's true. But when you get born again, you get a new spirit. You trust in Christ. You become born again. That means your heart now can carry the presence of God. Isn't that awesome? We got to believe that. He's not only out here somewhere. He's not only here when we come to church and we sense his presence. He's with you all the time. He, he is in you. David believed in the presence of God. But one of the first things he did when he came into his kingship, he said, we got to get that ark back into Israel because it was a way. Saul, the, the backslidden king, never sought the presence of God. So David says, we got to bring the presence back home. So remember the story? David is leading the procession as the king. And they bring the ark back in. And they're carrying it. And they would take a few steps. And they would do a sacrifice. And then they would sing and worship. They had the band there. And they're excited. And there's, they're rejoicing and celebrating. The presence of, of God is coming back into Israel. And so it says in 2 Samuel 6.20. Look at that in your Bibles. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20. When David returned home to bless his family. This is after the ark has come back in. And there's big, been great celebration. Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today. 
shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. Now, Micaiah, I want to point a few things out about her. Micaiah says she's the daughter of Saul, right? In Bible interpretation, when you read something like that, that means that Saul had more influence on her than anything else. She's the daughter of Saul, but she's also the wife of David. And Saul's dead, but she's still living in the past, right? This is all a picture. Remember, everything is types and shadows in this story we're telling today. So Micaiah, really, as the wife of David, should have been bringing the ark in with him, right? How many know you're supposed to bring your wife to church? Right? Men and women. Your partnership. Your team. But she doesn't come. In fact, she's up in the palace. She's like proud and exalted. And with what she watched, and she saw David, and the Bible said he took off his kingly robe and began to dance and worship God. She was, she was uh, embarrassed. And she says, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today. Shamelessly exposing himself. She was embarrassed of what he had done. Mikhail is a type of a Christian, part of the family, that won't worship God. What do you mean, Brother Kim? Let me give you a couple of types about her. Uh, first of all, she is the bride of a king, right? It says that she was the daughter of Saul. That tells us that Saul and that old life had more influence on her. But she was also purchased by David to be his bride. The Bible said, as the church, we've been bought with a price. You've been purchased. Really, you don't belong to you. If you believe in Jesus and you really believe that he came and paid the price for your life, it's not like just, oh, I got saved a little bit and I still live like I want to. No, really, you don't belong to you anymore. You're going to answer to God one day for how you live. I mean, that's why we need to live right. We need to follow him. We need to honor him, right? So she has been purchased. In fact, when David came to Saul, her father, and said, I, I would like to marry your daughter. Uh, Saul said, okay, here's the dowry I want you to bring back, David, to, to earn my wife, my daughter as your wife. He said, I want you to bring back proof that you killed 100 Philistines. 100, right? And here's the proof. Here's the way I'll know you did. Bring back their foreskin, which tells me he probably had to kill them because no man's going to give that up without a fight. <laughs> Truck it with me? Okay. It's quite a thought. Uh, but he didn't bring back 100. He brought back 200. He paid double the price. 200 men, 200 Philistines gave their life so, so he could have his bride. That's a picture of what Jesus did for us. We've been bought with a price. Let me read it. It's not on the screen, but 1 Corinthians six 19. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. You want to see God show up for you? Then honor him. Make him your Lord. Believe what those promises, those promises we just said. By the way, those are in your notes. And there's a scripture reference for every one of those. I just didn't make that up. That's all in the Bible. That's who you are. You've been, you've been bought and Jesus gave that to you. It's a gift. But you've got to believe it. You know, the Bible said, without faith. I, got this, I'm, I know I'm talking to somebody this morning. You're sitting there, and I just said that, and you, you thought, why isn't that working for me, Brother Ken? Without faith. you got to believe it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. you got to believe what the promises are. You have to believe this deal. How do you believe it? You just jump in there and begin to believe. That's the way you do it. 
There's no magic formula. You just do it. So Micaiah refused to worship, and she was critical of the people that did. David comes back in the house, and they had a little discussion, and David rebukes her for what she's trying to tell him. And then in verse 22, this is a sad, sad scripture. It says, so Micaiah, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her whole life. Now, here's what happened. David never went into her again to have physical relations or to, to, uh, to connect with her again. That was cut off, and she was childless or barren for the rest of her life. Listen, here's the truth. Worship connects you to the plan of God for your life so you can be fruitful and do what you're called to do in this earth. You know, our church... Corporately, churches are called to come together and, and with everybody's influence. We connect. We connect in the name of Jesus. We get to know each other. We, we become one as a church. And then we're, we're to do significant things for the kingdom of God. Uh, don't you love it that we bought all those uniforms for those little kids somewhere else? See, we can't. One person can't do all that. But corporately, we can do amazing things. And this church is doing amazing things. And we're just getting started. Baby, we just warming up. We got a lot God's called us to do. There's a lot in the hearts of our leaders, and I'm excited. Aren't you excited to be here? I mean, I'm an old dude, and I have never been more excited about a church in my life. And, but, but God, in the middle of that corporate thing, God has something in, in, in you for you to do. There's a gift in you. There's a, there, there's a plan God wants you to bring to pass. And that plan is going to come about when you begin to put the promises of God in your life. You begin to eat your spinach And then you get into his presence and you begin to listen to him. And he'll tell you what to do. He'll lead you. The Holy Spirit came to direct us. There are things God has for you that aren't written down scriptures in the Bible. It's like thou shalt go down to this place and work there. You can't read that. You have to hear from the Holy Spirit. But you have the Holy Spirit. And worship stirs up the Holy Spirit to tell you what to do. And I'll, I'll close with this story. I was a young guy. And Trudy and I are called into ministry. And we moved to Tulsa from Texas. And, and, and our kids were little. They were small. When we moved to, I'll never forget, moving, leaving Texas, I had one of those big old uh, U-Haul trucks. And uh, so it's, uh, it, it's Trudy. Our daughter, Brooke, was six. And Josh was two. He was two. And I'll never forget, we're, I'm driving that big truck. And this is back in the days before car seats, if you can believe it. And Josh is standing up about this tall right beside me. I remember. I Yeah. So we moved to Tulsa, and we've got great excitement about what's going to happen. I'm going to work with this guy named Willie George, and I'm not sure exactly what it's going to look like. We were kind of walking this out, but he had a ministry to kids, and he was teaching kids about the Word of God, but it wasn't like little kidsy stuff. It's like he taught them the, the Scripture in a way they could understand it, and he wanted to have this TV show, uh, and we would be cowboys, and I became a character named Nicodemus, and he was, was Gospel Bill, and, and that was just getting started. I've been here about a year, and, uh, but I was musical, and I had in my heart I was supposed to write some songs and make some records, and, and now I'm thinking I want to do this for little kids, and I, I had an idea. This is back in 1983, and I wanted to do a project in a studio and record some kids' praise and worship songs and put it on cassette. Everybody say cassette. Yeah. Remember cassettes? It's a while back. And like on side A, I would have a song service for little kids. And then side B would just be the track so somebody else could lead that in a church. So it kind of had a twofold purpose. And I thought that'd be a great idea. And I bet we could sell that because on the road we traveled and taught teachers. But I didn't have any money. 
How many know not having money is a bit of a problem? So I got this idea, but I don't know how to, how to make it come to pass. So I'm, I'm talking to the Lord about it. So I get up one morning early, and I begin to seek the Lord. And at first I got up and I, I quoted some scriptures. You know, it's always good to begin by declaring the Word of God. And I begin to worship Him according to some scriptures that I knew. And then, and then I begin to worship God. And the Bible said that we worship Him in spirit and in truth. When you worship him in spirit, that means, I I look at it this way. It's like you return the word to him. You declare, you confess the word of God that's in your heart. But then in spirit, that means you begin to pray in the spirit. What that means is God, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God gives you the, the ability to pray in another language that you don't understand. But when you pray that way, you're not talking to anybody else. You're not talking to you. Your understanding's unfruitful, it says. But you're talking to God. In a perfect language, praying a perfect prayer. It's amazing. A lot of people underestimate this. But it's really important. I encourage you, if you're filled with the Spirit, ask God and receive that language to pray. Pray in the Spirit because you're praying a perfect prayer. So I'm sitting there, 5 in the morning, I'm in my recliner, got a blanket over me. I'm not feeling nothing. Man. You know how it is 5 o'clock in the morning. It's dark. And it was cold that day. And I'm just kind of... Uh, praying, just, just praying by faith. Don't feel nothing. Don't feel anything, man. And all of a sudden, I begin to, in my imagination, I begin to think, I begin to see something happen. And imagination is a wonderful thing. Your imaginer. God can talk to you through your imaginer if you open up your heart. And I saw a little drama unfold right there as I'm sitting in my chair. Here's what I saw. I saw myself dress up in a suit. This is back a long time ago. Everybody wore suits when you dressed up, right? And uh, I dressed up in a suit, and I go to this bank, and I walk into this bank uh, executive guy that works in the bank, and I begin to, to tell him about this project I want to do. And, and I'm asking his bank to loan me $2,000. That's what I needed to do it. But I saw in this little vision, I'm really being bold about it. I mean, it's like I went in there, and I, I sold this guy because I really, I really believed in this thing. And I said, Mr. Sir, this is what I want to do. I, and I da, 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 and I need $2,000. And I know your bank's going to want to get involved in this. So I see myself do all this. Just saw it. And then, here's the thing. I didn't see wh- whether he said yes or no. It's like it stopped right there. Because you always have to walk by faith, right? So I thought, is that of God or is that just me? Hmm. So I woke Trudy up. I said, hey, honey, hey, honey, I was praying. Here's what I got. I said, I said, do you think this is right? Here's why it's good to have a wife. Because here's what she said to me. Wisdom. She said, all they can do is tell you no. Sounds good to me. So I, I, did, I acted on that vision. I got dressed, put my suit on, went to the bank, went in, gave the secretary my name, sat down and waited. Now, you got to understand about this vision, too. i got to throw this in. About a few months beforehand, I had gone to this bank, and I knew this guy because I had asked him for a loan to buy a van for my family. But he had turned me down. For a van. And a van's pretty good collateral, right? But the problem was I had moved from Texas to Oklahoma and I didn't have any credit. Back in those days, we only had an American Express card and you had to pay it off every month. So I haven't accrued any credit. My credit had to come from Texas. I had bought a house, but they didn't have any of that. So they turned me down for a van. And now I'm asking him for $2,000 for my recording career, which I don't have yet, understand? (laughs) Ain't no collateral there. 
So, but I came in and I walked in and said, hey, Mr. Sir, and I, did, and I just blurted out everything. Here's what I want to do. And I probably said it so fast I ran out of breath. And I'm standing there looking at him. And here's him. He's sitting there like this. Banker, you know, bankers can be intimidating. And he's got, and he, I remember his, I can see his face right now. Had black hair, big jowls, okay. Big old froggy looking guy. And, uh, and he paused and he looks at me. And then he says, uh, Mr. Blunt, can I get back with you later today? I said, okay. He said, you have a phone number? I can reach you. I said, okay. Yeah, sure. He said, okay, I have to call you later. Yes, sir. I walked out, I thought he didn't say no. Went to my office, went to the office. I'm sitting there about 10 o'clock. I get this phone call. It's him. Mr. Blunt, yes, sir. He said, uh, if you come in, we'll sign the paperwork on this thing. I said, paperwork? He said, yeah, you, you still want your money, right, for this loan? He said, we got it all fixed up here. I said, oh, yeah, paperwork. Oh, yeah, I understand, paperwork. <laughs> so I went down, filled out the papers. When I hung the phone up, I went, praise the Lord! <laughs> I got my money. I, I booked my time. We recorded that thing. And then we did this big meeting in Tulsa called Camp Meeting back in 1983. And back in those days, those kind of meetings in America were big, man. There were like 10,000 people came to this thing. And our ministry did the kids' services in conjunction with like three services a day. And we had this huge crowd of kids, 1,200 kids we would have from 6 to 12 years old. 1,200 you're not listening to me. 1,200 little kids all in one room. You look at them, it's like a sea of children. That many children can tear down buildings, you understand? <laughs> and we're supposed to preach to them. But I use my, my music to lead them in worship. Oh, man, I, I still see this too. Leading the songs after a couple of days. One night, we had a time we were worshiping God, and this sea of little kids have their hands lifted up. And they're just singing and you can hear the little voices. And it was working. And I, 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 uh, I made reproduce 500 cassettes at that meeting. I didn't know if anybody would buy any of them. I sold out. I made enough money to pay off my loan and to do another project. And then I did another one. And then I did another one. I've done 20 plus something projects for little kids. We just did one through New Song and our ministry collaborated. We're going to continue to do this because the church needs good music for little kids. That was a God idea. But it came when I got into his presence, whenever I worshiped him. Listen. Oh, when you go to heaven, you want to get there empty. You want to fulfill what God's put you on the earth to do. You want God to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You don't want to get to heaven and Jesus go, man, I had things for you. If you just dug in a little bit. You had this thought, but you didn't get with me. I was going to help you. There's giftings in this room, all over this room. There's dreams. There's things. God's called every person, every marriage here. Your partnership is, is designed and called to do something significant in the earth. Close your eyes for a minute. Lord, thank you for your gifts in this room. Thank you for the people that are called. There's some that are called into full-time ministry, and they're here for some seasoning. There are some that are called here, and they're supposed to have a company that's going to be very successful, and they're going to make money, and they're going to be a funder of the kingdom of God to, to help uh, do what, what this church is called to do. There's some that are called to raise kids that will be significant and touch the world. Father, we pray this morning. Thank you for the gifts. 
uh, we stir up those things within us right now. We stir them up. And Lord, we thank you for them. In fact, lift your hands up, would you? And just receive what God has for you in your mind. I know some imaginations are going right now. I can feel it. I can see it. Some dreams, some ideas. God's an idea God. He's a dream God. He wants you to fulfill what he's called you to do. Lord, we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now put your hands down. I encourage you to write. If God spoke something to you, write it down. Mark it today. Journal it. And remember it. And go after it. And pray over it. And incubate it. And allow it to come. In, in His time. In His wisdom. Keep your eyes closed if you would for just a minute. Be there anybody here today that you don't know this great Jesus we've talked about. That paid this price. The one that shed His blood. So we could come to God. Be, be it that you don't know Him. You can know Him today. We want to pray with you before the service is over. In fact, if you would, everybody raise your heads up right now. Uh, we're going to ask our altar counselors, our, our, our altar team, if you come down right now. And if you have any prayer need, maybe something that is stirring in you that we talked about this morning, that you'd like to just pray about. You know, the Bible said we're too agree as touching anything. It'll be done by my Father in heaven. You need it. It's important and powerful to agree. And these guys know how to pray. If you have sickness in your body, any need that you have in life, be sure and come up here and pray. If you want to get saved and receive Christ, you can do that this morning. In Jesus' name, David's going to lead us in one more worship song. As he's doing that, you come up and we want to pray for you before the service ends. Did you get anything out of this today? Love you guys. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.